Shalom, shalom, shalom. My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the food, the culture, and the people of Israel. We're here to tell you all the great things about this big little country. Listen, if this is your first time watching the video version of this podcast, please, please, please hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you are always in the loop when we have a fresh episode out. If you'd like to take us with you on the way to work or to the gym, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And if you'd like to help support what we do, please feel free to become a patron of the show by heading on over to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash 12 cities in Israel. And, uh, and set up a monthly donation if you can. We would appreciate it. And every donation allows us to continue bringing you this awesome show. All right, all right, all right, all right. So um, welcome to episode 32. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that I kind of, well, no, definitely. We're going to be talking about something that I told you I would never talk about, politics. But I'm going to be talking about it. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Knesset. I'm going to be telling you what the Knesset is, how the Knesset uh, um, is structured, what political society is like inside the state of Israel. So I'm not going to be delving into politics um, in its minutiae, politics from these people feel this, these people feel this. I'm going to be talking about an overall idea of what politics is like inside Israel um, by describing what the Knesset is, how the Knesset operates, and all that jazz. Um, but first, but first, um, I need to give shout-outs to our sponsors, and our first one goes to Neviot Plus. Neviot Plus flavored water, nature at its best taste. Neviot Plus delivers you with a true combination of health and pleasure. It's based on Neviot natural mineral water, one of its kind in Israel. It's enhanced with five, five, five B-group vitamins. It's naturally sweetened. It is low in calories, only 35 to 40 calories per eight fluid ounces. There are no preservatives, no color additives, and it is available in delicious indulging flavors. Peach, grape, and apple, which we have here if you're in Israel, you should be drinking Neviot. For more information, um, check out their website at www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. Um, that's www.neviotglobal.com forward slash en forward slash home. If you want to get this delivered to your home, head on over to our next sponsor, Makolet Online. And their main goal at Makolet Online is to make Israeli groceries and Judaic products affordable and available to everyone in the USA and Canada. Their online store carries items that are unavailable in most places in North America, things like tahini, Israeli chocolates, mmm, frozen borekas, and the Neviat water that we have here today. At Makolet Online, you will find your favorite Israeli goods or simply enjoy brand new flavors. All of their products are kosher, and most are manufactured in Israel. If you want the tastes of Israel delivered to your home, visit www.makolet.online today. And 
As an added bonus, because you're watching the show, we have a coupon code for you. 12 cities in Israel, the number one, two cities in Israel, no spaces. Um, and if you use that code, you will receive 15% off of your entire order. So head on over to Makolet Online, M-A-K-O-L-E-T, online.com today. All right. So, all right. So I said I wasn't going to talk about politics and technically I'm really not going to talk about politics. I'm going to tell you about the political system in Israel. Just like I said, I wasn't going to talk about religion. Um, did I break that promise with my Judaism in Israel episode? I don't think I did because what I was doing was describing societally how um, religious observance is inside Israel. And I think that's important from a cultural perspective in understanding the people, in understanding what kind of people they are, <clears throat> in understanding what is important to the people inside Israel. I'm going to do the same thing today by talking about the Knesset and in talking about the Knesset, you're going to get an understanding of what is Israeli democracy is. Um, but before we get into that, what are we going to do? We are going to do our Chamesh Bachamesh, which is our five and five. I've got five words that deal with uh, the subject of the uh, um, this episode. And I'm going to give you them them in this quick Ulpan section that we do. I hope you guys are digging it. Um, I hope you guys are liking it. I, I meant to get all of this into a smaller segment on the YouTube channel. Um, and I haven't had trouble doing that. I've had, had, I've had trouble finding time to do that because I'm, uh, setting up all the interviews and scheduling all that. And I got 20 something people. I got to write questions for them so they don't think that I'm throwing them any curveballs. And, uh, so I don't know when that's coming out. It might wind up coming out after I get back from Israel, or I might just do a bunch of them in Israel. That might be kind of fun. Um, but let's start our Chamesh Bachamesh after I have a cup of coffee Peter Madeira, you are a rock star. Thank you so much. Mm -mm. Peter Madeira is my coffee bro. Bro. Uh, which I actually use bro in Hebrew. And some people know what I'm talking about. Some people don't. <laughs> so, our first one is, are you ready? Knesset. And I'm going to describe, I'm going to, I'm going to go into what Knesset means um, in, when I talk about the history of the Knesset. But our first word is Knesset, which is the legislative body in Israel, Knesset. So if someone is a member of the Knesset, they are a member of the legislative body in Israel, Knesset. What is our next one? Our next one is... I don't know if I'm going to say this one right. Memashala, um, which is, and I think I got this right. Let me get a really close up. 
ממשלה, ממשלה, ממשלה. And that, the, all right, so these are new words for me too. I'm really excited about this. So ממשלה is government, government. And if I'm pronouncing that wrong, let me know. Hit me up. That way I, I can make sure I'm doing all of this right. So we have Knesset, ממשלה. ממשלה is um, government. Next we have, are you ready? This one's going to be super easy. Politica. Politica. Take a wild guess. Politics. Politica. Um, our next one is Lehatsbia. Lehatsbia. Now, that's an important one. Lehatsbia is to vote. To vote. Lehatsbia. And our final one. Are you ready? Rosh. Mem Shala. The head of government. Who do you think that is? Prime Minister. Rosh Mem Shala. Prime Minister. And that is our five in five. Um, Knesset. Mem Shala. And I have an alarm going off. Latsbia. And Rosh Mem Shala. There you go, politica. If I if I didn't mention that politica as well, so um, there are five. Now, <clears throat> all of those deal with uh, the Knesset and the government in Israel. So, um, as I stated, the Knesset is the legislative branch of the Israeli government. They pass all of the laws. They elect the president. They approve the cabinet and supervise the work of the government through its committee. It is, now we're, we're going to be learning some new words today. Maybe you guys will know these words. I didn't know some of them. I was, I was actually pretty, pretty stoked about learning all this stuff. So the Knesset is what's called a unicameral legislative body. In the United States, we have what's called a bicameral legislative body. We have the House and the Senate. Um, but there they just have the Knesset. <clears throat> the Knesset is comprised of 20, 120 seats. So there are 120 elected officials, um, uh, from all over Israel, uh, who pass laws. Um, they, uh, approve they elect the president, and that's actually interesting. So, the president, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure about how all of this goes together. Now, I have to. Do, did I write in about the president? Because I looked into what some of these people do, and I looked into how how each person's role. So, there are three major individuals in the Knesset. Hold on one sec. I have hiccups. I have hiccups. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I have these hiccups and they are going bananas right now. So there are three major individuals who preside in the Knesset. Um, and they are the prime minister. 
they are the president and they are the speaker of the Knesset. Now, the president is got to have a, 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 everyone in the Knesset votes for the president. Um, he is not elected by <clears throat> individuals. Um, he is not elected, not like in the United States where we vote for a president. Um, we, in Israel, you vote for the legislative body and then the legislative body does all of the work. The same goes sort of, are you ready? Sort of for the prime minister. Now, um, before I get into that, I have to do a little bit more of a description about what the Knesset actually does. It has what's called de jure, I, I hope I'm saying this right, parliamentary supremacy. And what de jure is, is, um, is, 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 uh, <laughs> is the opposite of de facto. So let's say you have a government that isn't, um, I don't want to use the word legitimate, but is operating with legitimacy, but wasn't elected. So it is therefore the de facto government. But what's interesting is that's actually happening right now in Israel. You have a de jure and a de facto government, I would venture to say, because they don't have coalitions running the government. They have what's called, and I wrote this down, a caretaker government. So a caretaker government, I guess, would be what's called a de facto government in the sense that they haven't made an official government, an official coalition, which would be the de jure, the de, de jure parliament. They instead have a de facto until they have a actual in stone voted on coalition. Now, they have what's called parliamentary supremacy, which means they can pass any law by a simple majority, meaning if they have 61 votes, boom, it's a law uh, because there are 120 seats, 120 voting members of the Knesset. So if they have 61, that's a, that's a majority, and boom. Um, even one that might arguably, it says, convict conflict with the basic laws of Israel. Now, that's important. We need to take a moment to talk about the basic laws of Israel. So the basic laws of Israel are, Israel doesn't have a constitution. So they had the intention of writing a constitution. So in 1948, um, when Israel declared independence, they... Um, went straight to war. The Knesset wasn't formed until February 14th, 1949, um, which ironically, not ironically, I guess, interestingly, was in the Jewish Agency building in Jerusalem, which was part of uh, the Jewish Agency was... Um, part of the World Jewish Congress, the Jewish Congress in, in Basel, uh, the one that was started by um, Theodore Herzl. So it's it, it was in a historic building 
Oh, well, it was a historic event, right? So, um, but they never got around to making the Constitution they intended to. And I'm curious why they never did that in any of the Jewish Congresses, why they didn't develop a, uh, a Constitution for what would be the state. Um, but they didn't. Instead, they chose to enact what are called basic laws. And these laws come out over time. They're a, a, something that would be comparable would be the, uh, the amendments that we have in the United States. Um, and these basic laws are, are, are the bedrock for what, um, Israel's legislation is written against. So you can't go against the basic laws, but from what it says, they can write against basic laws, but I keep saying, but, um, you're going to find a lot of buts in no pun intended. You're going to find a lot of buts in Israeli politics because there are so many, nothing's set in stone. Everything's fluid. And it's interesting that they're able to have that much fluidity. And it says something for the minds that are there, that they're able to have that much fluidity without going over a a precipice, you know what I mean? Into, into something more authoritarian. Now, that's not to say that um, Israel hasn't had some really strict, uh, you know, hasn't had some really strict times. But those times have, have always been um, balanced by need. And I've, I'm, I'm not saying I agree with those. The, the fact that, that what would be called civil liberties weren't allowed but you, you've, you've got to understand there's conflict going on. There's, uh, there's safety involved. And, and they've always been pretty good at saying, okay, uh, we've gone a little too far. Okay, maybe we should step back a little bit. Um, and recently, I say recently, from what I read in the past 30 years, um, the Supreme Court in Israel, which is a very... Uh, become a very prominent body, uh, has pulled back and said um, that some of the actions and laws that the Knesset has made in the past have been unlawful um, and has repealed those legislative, um, those laws that they've passed. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of buts. There's a lot going on. Um, There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of the, and one of the things, hold on just one sec. One of the things that I like about the Knesset is, and some people get frustrated with this because they want smooth, easy, you go in, you vote, you do this, boom, that's it. Um, the thing I like about the, uh, about the Knesset is I kind of like the chaos. I kind of like the restriction that working together creates causes. Um, it's really kind of, I, kn- I know that sounds, um, like it doesn't make sense, but the less, <laughs> the less these guys who want, and, and, and women who want 
power have access to it because you have a bulwark against it. You have the stop, um, a firewall of opposing views and, and legislative power, the better. You know what I mean? If, if I, I like government to, to, to defend the borders uh, uh, and pick up my garbage. Um, that's pretty much, and, and, and all that, you know, I'll pay to keep the lights on. I'll pay to do, you know, keep this, uh, I'll pay taxes to keep the streets clean. I'll pay for cops. I'll pay for all that. But, you know, I like, if I want to, you know, do something, I'll, I'll do it out of the kindness of my heart. Let the government just be unable to do too much to get too deep into what I'm doing. Um, and to, to a certain extent that exists in Israel because of, oh, because of the chaos of their political system. Um, all right. So I said that the Knesset building was built or was, um, was in the Jewish agency building and that it, the Knesset was established in 1949. Um, in Jerusalem. It is still in Jerusalem. It is on a beautiful hilltop um, in Givat Ram, which is uh, a neighborhood in western Jerusalem. It's 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 really uh, prolific. It's right there. You can see it. It's beautiful. It's stark, but not not in a in a negative way. Stark in the sense that it's just um boom, it's right there. And I'm going to have video actually from that. I, I found on YouTube, I found the video that you watch. It's in English too, before you take the tour of the Knesset building. So it's neat. You'll be able to see, uh, there's a lot of historical stuff in there. They have, uh, all the presidents, they have Anwar Sadat coming in, uh, the, his historic address to the Knesset. They have, uh, they show, the, what they call the loneliest chair in the Knesset, and that's the prime minister's chair. And uh, you'll see the plenum up at the top, and that's where uh, that's where the Knesset speaker sits. And it's it's really cool. It's really cool to think that the business of Israel is done there, and that the decisions made there affect Haifa, Beersheba, a lot, Tel Aviv, everything in that in that one building. Um, all right, so how do you get to the Knesset? Um, practice. No. Um, <laughs> um, you get to the Knesset by being voted in. And every individual of 18 years of age or older is eligible to vote in Israel. And if you are 21 years old, you are eligible to be voted into the Knesset. Boom. There you go. Um, I think that's really cool. And that is how, um, not how, but, but, but because of that age, um, Stav Shafir became, uh, she is a, she was a labor member. She's part of a different party now. And I'm going to read through all the parties. She is, uh, the youngest elected Historically, the youngest elected member of Knesset, um, which is kind of a cool thing. Uh, but 21 years old, 
is what you need to be um, if you want to be voted. Now, what's interesting about Israel is it's not broken up into districts. It's one huge, large voting area. All right. Not like, uh, you know, the states in the United States or different regions or provinces in Europe. Um, and they collect the sum of all of that. Um, it is all one huge voting area. And because of that, each vote is equal to one vote. Okay. Um, which, I mean, of course, that sounds like it should be that. But in some places, it, it, it's not that. So one vote, uh, one person, one vote. The totality of the vote in Israel for that election is the result for that election. Now, um, there's a lot in here. And I had to write, my notes on this are extensive because... Whew. Um, there's a lot of information. Now, every vote counts. That's what I just said. So every individual who votes, their votes count. Um, and they are all done in secret behind a screen. So they're done in private. So nobody can tell who voted for who. Um, when voting, you vote for a party, not an individual, which is different from here in the United States and maybe in other places around the world. You vote for a specific party, and I'm going to go through those parties. I think I'm going to wind up wrapping up by going through all those parties. But you vote for a party, and that party gets seats in the Knesset. Now, I'm going to outline what that is because that's interesting it doesn't break down the way you would think it would um or maybe it does but before i do that i'm gonna have a sip of coffee and then i'm gonna read the we're at the we're at the midway point i really gotten rolling on this knesset thing so um i'm gonna do, take a drink of coffee do these shout outs and then i'm gonna come back to seats in the knesset so give me one second all right, so our first one is from iConnect. iConnect, engagement with Israel that earns you rewards. iConnect is a website dedicated to teaching you more about Israel. It's also a social gaming platform where you can play, earn points, and receive cool prizes all for free. While you're there, you will connect with Israel by engaging with all of iConnect's numerous articles, games, quizzes, polls, and more. Now, why should you play? Because iConnect's Unique platform introduces you to Israel in a fun, exciting, and most importantly, rewarding way, all while working towards giving you a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So head on over to www.iconnect.co.il. That's www.iconnect.co.il and start playing now. Our next one is from Israel Phones, which is a part of iConnect. Um, and they are the leading provider of communication devices for people traveling to Israel. They offer SIM cards, mobile phone rentals, and MiFi devices, which are mobile Wi-Fi hotspots, and serve the connectivity needs of tour groups, synagogues, schools, community missions, study programs, and individuals visiting their family and friends, supplying you 
with all of the mobile phone equipment that you'll need on your next trip to Israel. And for those who have used Israel phones, you'll see that they are presenting a brand new plan, uh, a bunch of brand new plans for Israel that give you a much better bang for your buck. You now get much more data at an affordable price with unlimited calls and texts inside of Israel and international calling to the USA included. You get 30 gigabytes for only 29 bucks, 50 gigabytes for only 39 bucks. And these plans are valid for 30 days, a 10% discount for stays over 90 days. Um, with their new iConnect Israel Rewards program, you can now get a $15 credit to cover the cost of the SIM card for just signing up. So if you just sign up, you get a $15 uh, credit towards a SIM card. Um, you can join iConnect Israel right now and start earning points towards greater rewards. Right now, though, because of watching this show, um, Israel Phones will give you a free SIM card, which is a $15 value if you spend $30 or more on their site you can get this by using uh, the coupon code 12 cities in Israel, the number one, two cities in Israel. Um, all one word, no spaces. And when checking out on your next order. So if you want to get any of these great deals, and I strongly suggest that you do, um, Israel Phones is pretty great. Uh, head on over to www.israelphones.com. That is www.israelphones.com. Now, back to the show. Um, the Knesset, they have 120 seats. So, um, how did I, how did I break this down? 3.25% of the overall vote. So if you get 3.25% of the overall vote, because I said Israel is one large voting area. If you get that, you get four seats out of the 120 in the Knesset. So if you, as your percentage goes up, the more seats you get. So if you get 6.5, you get eight seats and so on and so forth as multiplied. Um, this leads to what, what, what you have is you have, uh, you have groups who want to get, what your goal is, is to get a majority. Okay, you want to get at least 61 votes, 61 seats. Now, the last time that happened was in 1949, uh, February 14th, 1949. <laughs> so uh, the last time that happened was when they established the Knesset, and it was Mapai who became labor. It was David Ben-Gurion's party. They had the biggest block. It hasn't happened since then. Now, voting happens every four years for new elections. Voting happens in new elections every four years, in theory, according to the basic laws. Does that happen? Do they last all four years? Not always. Uh, actually, the majority of the time they do not. I think it was seven. Um, yeah, seven out of twenty-one. 
have not made it the entire four years or have made it the entire four years. So seven times out of all the elections have the government's gone for four years. So what happens? So you have an election, all right? And then you 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 have uh, the largest group gets together and they say, this is our pick for prime minister. Okay, so right now that is, um, the, or I'm not going to use this election because this one's so funky. I mean, we're going into a new one because this past one was so funky. But uh, past couple of elections, Netanyahu has been made the, uh, the so Likud was the biggest party, okay? And they chose Benjamin Netanyahu to be, who was, I guess, the head of the Likud party, to be the prime minister. And as the prime minister, he picks different, what do you call it, different cabinet positions. So you have these different ministries. You have the Ministry of Sport and Culture. You have the Ministry of Defense. You have the Ministry of Agriculture. You have the Ministry, I think, Agriculture waters underneath agriculture because Moshe Dayan was the Minister of Agriculture. You have the Health Minister, the Education Minister. And all of these are pride. The Justice Minister. And... All of these are prized positions. So what happens when you don't have 61 seats? So let's say you're part of the Ahuva party, which is a party I just made up. Maybe it is a real one, but let's say um, you're part of the Ahuva party and you got uh, 54. Well, now you need to make a coalition. And that's where the wheeling and the dealing goes on. And you say, hey, Joe's party. Hey, Shimon's party. Hey, Rivka's party. Um, Rivka, what would you like? We would like the justice ministry. Uh, Shimon, what would you like? Uh, we would like the ministry of defense. Um, Joe's party, what would you like? We want the ministry of defense. Crap. So you get all of this wheeling and dealing, whoever has the best deal, and that's why you have all of these different groups that don't seem like they would have the same end goals in mind with cabinet positions. I kind of think that's cool because it creates, some would say it creates conflict and stress. I would say that, yes, that's absolutely true, but I think that's healthy because it allows people who may not voice their opinion to voice their opinion. You know what I mean? You wouldn't say something against an individual's policies in passing, but if they got put into a position of power, you might be more inclined to speak up. I think that the Israeli political system allows more voices to be raised in dissent. And I think that's important. A lot of people would say, no, it's garbage. I wish people would just follow. No, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's cool. I think 
descent is important and healthy. And once you know where a person isn't willing to go, you're more able to find a center uh, meeting place. And center meeting place is really important. So hold on just one sec. I wanted to get that. Gosh, I live for this coffee. So one of the important things that needs to be noted you have a lot of people who make a lot of statements on the news, and I, I, I hear this, <coughs> interestingly, all the time. I hear right, right wing, left wing. And like one of the things that they say is Likud's right wing party or Labor's left wing uh, policies. Everyone take a step back because I think that's a... What do you call it when uh, you you? So all right, so you know when you uh you, <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, when we apply our attributes to other things, even when they don't relate, like we equate cat or dog behavior with human behavior when it's actually not cat. It's not human behavior it's it's cat behavior their cats are doing things that may be similar or look similar so the same thing goes when you look at american versus israeli uh understandings of politics so something on the right in israel tends to be more right center and things on the left tend to be more left center you have very extreme left-wing groups. You have very extreme right-wing groups. But most of those groups are viewed as fringe groups. People, even though they vote left, aren't voting polar left. They're voting just a little more left than they were right. Um, there is this important central meeting place that exists in Israeli society that may not exist in the media depictions of Israeli politics, but I wish it did because it would be a lot more honest and a lot more true to talking about how Israeli politics um, really is. So, all right, back to the story, back to the story. Now, what's interesting, so we have all these political parties Tons and tons and tons. And I'm going to read off all the political parties and your head's going to explode. But what's interesting is that there are disqualifications for parties. So a lot of people like to make uh, very general statements uh, about Israel and what they do, the totalitarian. They, uh, they'll make Nazi references. They'll make all these different... Um, things about how Jewish is, uh, how Israel is anti-democratic and, and there are, uh, some disqualifications for being a political party in Israel. And I'm going to tell you why what I just said before is so relevant to this. And I think it's going to surprise you. So, number one, you will be disqualified if you revoke the existence 
of the state of Israel as a Jewish democratic state. So if your party platform is we don't think Israel should be a Jewish uh, Jewish state or a, a Jewish democratic state, and that's very important. Those two words need to be in there. It's a Jewish state, and it has to be democratic like it is. You will be disqualified if your party incites racism. Wow. That's crazy. But it's not crazy because there are Arabs, there are Druze, there are Beta Israel, there are uh, Ethiopian Jews, there are all different types of groups. There are... <coughs> There are migrants from all over the world. There are a, 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 there's a community of Filipino migrants, West African migrants, all of this. You can have issues with immigration in Israel, but it can't be racist. Boom. Can't incite racism. I think that's awesome. Um, you will also be disqualified if you support armed resistance of a terror organization against the state of Israel. Wow. I think that would be just about everywhere, but apparently there are groups who have tried to do this. Now, everyone immediately, as I read those, was probably most likely thinking, and if you weren't, I'm proud of you, but most likely you were thinking about Arab parties or non-Jewish parties, non-Israeli Jewish parties being disqualified. But what's funny is you know what came to my mind? The Kahane, Mer Kahane was a rabbi who led this vicious right-wing I think he was he was the head of the Jewish Defense League in the United States, and he read this. He he headed this vicious right wing political party. Uh, I think he got elected to the Knesset. He was removed, and he was eventually murdered. I don't know a lot about his murder, but hey. What's important about that, and um, am I right about this? The, anyways, yes, his party, the Kahane party, was disqualified, and they were barred from serving in the Knesset. They were barred from the election. A lot of people were upset by that, and I'm not saying a majority were upset by that, but he had a significant following. But the Jewish state, the Jewish democratic state, wouldn't stand for it. He had horrible things to say about non-Jews. He had horrible things to say about the neighbors. You can, you know, make your statements in fact if you have a problem with something. And his statements weren't. They were just hateful. And he wasn't allowed. So... I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's neat. I think it shows um it shows that the you know, the Knesset and the government is willing to go to places that are oftentimes uncomfortable um when you have to police your own, you know what I mean? 
but they did it. So I thought that was important. And, um, yeah, I just, I thought that was very important to point out because it just kind of goes to show you that, that it, it truly is, uh, truly is a remarkable democracy. And it's a, it's such a chaotic democracy. So bananas. And it's bananas because everyone's got to say. Everyone ha- gets to put their, throw their two cents in. Hold on just one sec. Unless you're a hateful son of a gun, then you don't get to say. Sorry. So it, so it goes. Now, I'm going to tell you about all of the parties that are in the current Knesset. Um, I'm not going to really describe too much. I'll put where they are, (coughs) and I'll give maybe a blurb if I know something about it. But I think just the fact that this list is going to be so freaking long, um, it's going to kind of blow your mind. So, number one is uh, Likud. And Likud um, has 32 seats. Likud is one of the largest parties. Now, what happened was, um, as part of the caretaker government, what he did was he got a, uh, he was already, they were already in power when the elections happened. So until a new government takes over, until a new coalition is set up, they're still in power, I guess. They're pretty much keeping the lights on. So you have Likud, which is the center-right party. It's one of the largest parties in Israel. It's Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, party. You have Kulanu, um, and they only have one seat, which I found kind of interesting. But they might have run underneath Likud. So there, and that's where it gets kind of confusing because, remember I said 3.25? You get four seats. Well, let's say Likud has three and Kulanu has one, and they get together, and they vote as a block, a voting block, uh, then there you go. You have Shas. Shas is the Haredi party, the Sephardi, uh, Sephardic Haredi party, so it's uh, ultra-Orthodox um, Haredi party, and they uh they notably the uh they tend to be uh i don't want to go too far into it but they tend to i i discussed this in another video where the uh the leadership of of the sephardic haredi community um votes as the leaders the, the entire group votes as the leaders tell them to vote. We're seeing some breakaway from that, which is interesting. That happened in uh, the Jerusalem elections. But um, so you have them, Shas, you have United Torah Judaism, which is uh, the Ashkenazi already um, voting block. And underneath that, you have Agudat Yisrael, um, Degel HaTorah, and these are ultra Orthodox. Um. Uh, 
parties and the rav of these different communities tells the entire community how to vote you have jewish home um national union jewish home uh i think that's by yehudi um and national union they're right they're right they want to annex the west bank they're um pretty much anti i don't want to say they're anti-arab um but by their words and actions they tend to come off as anti-arab then you have the new right which is a breakaway by naftali bennett and uh and ayelet shaked who were members of Bayat Yehudi, and they left and they made their own parties. So that's just on the right. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different parties on the right. So that's nine different parties to make uh, a coalition for the caretaker government. Then you have what's called the opposition. They're the people on the other side of the coalition. And you have Benny Gantz's blue and white. And blue and white, actually has more vote, has more seats than Likud. They have 33, where Likud has only 22, 32, but they couldn't get a coalition to come with them. Um, underneath blue and white, you have Resilience, Yeshatid, Telem, Independent. These are all different parties. And then um, you have... Joint list. Now, joint list is generally uh, what are known as the Arab parties, and they're the Arab-Israeli parties, but you have different kinds. You you can't put them all in one. They're in one basket, but you have to understand that they're all coming from different places politically. Some of them, uh, I think there's uh, one of them is a communist party, one's a socialist party, um, that may not be this election. It may not be these groups, but historically there have been all of these different types of groups. In the in the joint list, you have Khadash, Ra'am, Balad, Ta'al, and those are the the uh, the joint list. Those are the what are generally known as the Arab the Arab Israeli groups. Then you have another one, Yisrael, uh, Betenu, and that is. Um, that is Avigdor Lieberman. And Avigdor Lieberman's an interesting character. I'd love to interview him because uh, he's a pretty fascinating guy. Um, he is right. And, and and the reason why I'm so fascinated by him is because he came in. I didn't really like it. Not that I didn't like him. I just didn't. I couldn't put my finger on him and he seemed a little bit too right uh, for my taste. Not that I have trouble with the right or the left. He just seemed a little extreme. But then he became defense minister. And when people were calling for war and calling for war and calling for action, he kept saying, we need to back that or we need to back up a few and we need to relax and we need to take a breather and we need to look at what we're actually doing. And I was shocked. I was actually talking to a friend of mine who is very left. And he said, I have a brand new... Uh, respect for Avigdor Lieberman. I never expected him to have such restraint and composure. Um, so there you go. He's uh, and he is one of the kingmakers. Everyone's trying to get him to be a part of their coalition. Then you have um, Labour Gesher, and that's two different parties, but they make up a block. 
Then you have Democratic Union, Meretz, the Green Movement, and Democratic Israel. These are the the really, really left-wing groups. Meretz is known as being um, significantly less wing, uh, left-wing. But um, there you have it. That's the Knesset in a nutshell. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, it was a lot to digest, but basically now you know how politics works and sometimes doesn't work in Israel. Um, all right. Um, we are going, I'm going to wrap it up by telling you about, uh, February, February, 2020, uh, this coming February, we're going to Israel, uh, to Tel Aviv, to the C executive suites to do interviews with a number of people from across Israeli society. Um, we are going to be interviewing uh, Sarah Tuttle Singer, Shoshana Keats Jaskol from uh, both of them from the Times of Israel, um, Rivka Carmi, the president of uh, the former president of Ben Gurion University, uh, retired General Doron Al Mog from uh, from Ale, um, Yishai Fleischer, the uh, the spokesperson for. Um, the spokesperson for the Jewish community in Hebron. I've also got someone from Nefesh Benefesh. I'm waiting for them to get back to me. Uh, who's going to come on the show? I have um, Hannah Mason and her husband, Dave Mason. Both authors are coming on for different segments. Um, wonderful people. Um, Stav Shafir is uh, slated to come on. And I would like your help with um, the last $2,000 of... Uh, that I need to get my equipment to Israel, pay for the lights, the light rentals that we have, and the last couple of pieces of equipment. It's two thousand bucks. If somebody out there could go to our website, hit the www uh, our website www twelve cities in Israel dot com, and hit the PayPal button, or if a couple of you could do it, um, we would really appreciate it. And uh, it's 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 been a crazy journey. I'm I'm I've got people booked. Um, I'm in the process of writing questions so that there's no surprise uh, <laughs> gotcha questions for these guys who are all awesome, all incredible. I'm blessed with being able to uh, to sit down with all of them, and uh, I need your help. So if you could help me out, that would be wonderful. Um, all right. That's it. Thank you so much for joining us for the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed and become a part of the 12 Cities in Israel community. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. And we'll be bringing you a brand new podcast every week. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, also, to help support this podcast, as I said before, please consider becoming a patron and going over to um, www.patreon.com forward slash 12 cities in Israel, the number one, two cities in Israel, um, and helping us in any way you can. We'd really appreciate it. Also, 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 please visit our YouTube channel where you can see a video version of this podcast, plus other videos that we have produced, including our full-length travel episode on the city of Beersheba in southern Israel. While you're there, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Um, you can also check out our website, www.12citiesinisrael.com. You can find us on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, where I'm trying to put up something uh, from all, uh, our trips uh, to Israel every day. And uh, I'm trying. I'm getting it up there. <laughs> 
Um, and also check us out on Twitter where I'm just hammering tweets out, uh, whatever comes to mind. So, um, all right, that's it. You throw it there. Let me see you.